Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And we welcome in our new sponsor, Any Lab Test Now. I'll tell you more about them in just a few minutes. Joining me is my personal catcher, my Martin Maldonado, my co-host, Stephen Kerr. You can't get anything by him. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know that I want to be a catcher after a story I did for a publication I write for about a softball player who was hit in the face by a foul ball. Now, yeah, it, it, but she wasn't behind the plate catching. She was at the plate. So I'm not even sure I want to be at the plate anymore after after writing that story. She broke a bone above her right eye. So, yeah, maybe catching or just being in the batter's box isn't a great idea for me, Robert. We'll put a face mask on you. You're going to be fine. No, that's true. I guess I, guess I could do that. <laughs> so, uh, so here we go, Stephen. Was the entire Rockets roster hit by the coronavirus this past week? What happened? What happened? Oh, my goodness. The Rockets. The Rockets. How many times do we have to keep going over with these guys that you've got to play defense to win ball games. You know, when, when they were in their winning streak, they were during that stretch in the top 10 in the NBA in defense. Now they've lost four in a row at the time that we're recording this. They've, they, they during that stretch, they were 25th giving up almost 120 points a game. I mean, yeah, it, it's obvious the offense is struggling. They're, they're, they're not shooting the way they should, but it just comes back to the fact, Robert, that even if the offense is going to stumble here and there, if they just play with the same intensity on defense that they have shown they can do on offense, they would win a lot more games. And, and again, as we've said over and over, they are losing to teams who they should be beating. They're, they're losing to lottery teams. The, Charlotte was one of the, the worst shooting teams in the NBA, and yet they didn't look like that against the Rockets. The Rockets' second quarter deficits in the last five games, so that includes the Celtics game, which they won, but their second quarter deficits, uh, 17, 17, 26, 20, and 19. It kind of reminds me of, remember when the Rockets with McGrady and Yao, they would get off to these terrible first quarters every game? Do you remember that? I do remember that, and I probably said the same thing then, (laughs) you know, that you can't keep playing from behind all the time. And let's just get to let's talk about James Harden because in the last five games, and again, I'm going to throw in the Celtics game. This is and this is why you get into second quarter deficits is because James Harden basically has been crap. He sucked. I mean, if you take Harden's numbers from the Celtics game to the Magic game, he's 12 for 59 from three, and I'll do the math for everybody. That's 20 percent from three. This is worse than Russell Westbrook bad. This makes Corey Brewer like like Steph Curry. I mean, he had 10 turnovers in the Charlotte game. And frankly, Stephen, he looks a lot like game six of the Spurs series, James Harden, missing in action. You know, I have to wonder, Robert, and I hate to even say this, but all those times that we've defended James Harden from the criticism of the national media, it almost makes me wonder now with this stretch that he's going through, do they have something? Because this is not the James Harden that we're accustomed to seeing. This is certainly not the MVP caliber James Harden. You know, you're almost feeling like, hey, just give the ball to Russell Westbrook and he can get the job done and not to James Harden. I don't know when that I would have ever thought I'd hear the day we'd say that. Since January, Harden shooting 30% from three. And I'll throw this out there, Stephen. Just, I, this is a question I have for you. 
Is there any way Harden started to realize that he couldn't be as effective without Capella on the floor and is maybe just moping about that move and moping about the fact that the offensive personnel is being built around Westbrook instead of him? I mean, we know we all know that James can get his feelings. Well, he does get his feelings, or he at least seems to have those kind of feelings. I know we've talked about that before. We've seen it in the postseason. But look, Daryl Morey and the Rockets have constantly built and rebuilt around James Harden over and over and over again. It's not like they're ignoring the guy and saying, well, we just need to put some other pieces in place to kind of nudge James out of the way. They have built this team constantly around James Harden. So now it's getting to the point where, you know, what is there left to whine about except to step up your own game? And that that's kind of where I am with Harden now is that, if he's going to sit and mope and, and, you know, wonder what the heck is going on, that's the kind of mentality where you're going to find yourself on the bottom. And even if you do get to the playoffs, you're going to get yourself another early exit because you're spending too much time worrying about what's going wrong instead of just trying to fix it and, and play your game to the best of your ability. But he hasn't been able to do that in, in, in weeks now. Another thing, uh, and I'm going to get to Harden in just two seconds, but I just want to remind anybody that might point out, oh, the pocket rockets, that's the reason for their struggles. They're too small. But keep in mind, they out-rebounded both the Clippers and the and the Charlotte uh, uh, Hornets. And, and if you still believe in Harden as somebody you know, who could take your team to a championship, because I want to get back to James, I mean, I, I'd give you a reality show on Netflix, but the title Love is Blind has already been taken. <laughs> uh, and Stephen, and by the way, that's a that's a Daryl Morey favorite, and, and I actually have seen it too. But Stephen, do you remember the great Eddie Murphy movie Trading Places back in the 80s? Yeah, I remember it. I, I don't remember that I saw it, but I, I certainly remember hearing about it. Okay, well, for anybody who didn't see it like you, the idea of this movie was that these two brothers, Randolph and Mortimer Duke, made a bet to see if they could flip-flop the lives of two people around. One was rich, one was homeless. All of a sudden, Eddie Murphy goes from homeless to rich, and the reverse happens to Dan Aykroyd's character. Isn't that what happened to Westbrook and Harden in the last couple of months? Did Maury and Fertitta make a bet or something, maybe? <laughs> well, it, it makes you wonder, because, you know, when the trade was made, you know, the biggest question we had is, are, are the two guys going to mesh well together because of their styles of play? I don't think we considered even for a moment that... Russell Westbrook might actually be the preferred go-to guy over James Harden. We we thought, well, maybe it'll be the opposite. Russ may not fit in here well, and that James is, is once again, going to be the go-to guy. And if he fails, the whole team fails. So, yeah, it's almost like they, they swapped personalities or, or at least swapped roles, certainly, with the team over the last couple of months. Right. And, and, and I just I'll go back to that whole idea that you know, Clint Capella was, we we talked about this at some point. I can't remember if I talked about it with you, Stephen, or, or with uh, one of our guests. Uh, maybe it was Roosh. But, you know, one of the things that I think happened when you take Capella out of the equation is it makes it much harder for James Harden when he goes to the basket to have that uh, lack of a vertical threat for him, sort of the outlet near the basket, because Everybody talks about, oh, he's a good passer. Well, the Rockets fans love him as a passer. Of course, nationally, he's hated for everything. But the Rockets fan talk talk about him as a, as a pretty good passer. But my issue with him as a passer is sometimes he's not always great at finding that 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 uh, shooter on the outside that's open. But he was always good at at that 
Capella alley-oop and that vertical threat offensively. And I feel like now that that's gone, and it's been gone for long before Capella uh, was traded because he was hurt and then they weren't playing him a lot. So that I think that's the that's the big issue is, you know, it was like, well, we, we sort of re retooled the offense to work better for Westbrook so we could make it work for Westbrook, but then Harden got left in the dust. And I, I still feel like there's something to that. Well, there probably is something to that, and, and it is a factor. And, and Jonathan Fagan, I think, has pointed out the same thing. But you know what? The, the great players learn to play. I mean, yes, the system needs to be built around them to a great extent. But you also have to learn to play with the players you have in there and, and know how to adapt. And I just don't think it's something that – I don't think James knows how to adapt unless it's something he's absolutely 100% comfortable with. And I think we're seeing that now – with Capella being gone and Covington in there, who's providing a, a totally different element of his game. But, you know, James was slumping, as you said, even before the Capella trade. Yeah, Capella was in and out quite a bit. But if if that's the main reason that James Harden has suddenly turned sour, that doesn't bode well if you're a Rockets fan, certainly for the short and the long term. I feel like he needs a psychiatrist or something like that. I mean, something, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on with him, but... It's it's really frustrating and and you know uh, last week I I went to the game and I was over at the Red Rowdy section and I was asking one of my friends over there I said what's wrong with James Harden and by the way you tried to lay that one the Clippers game on me <laughs> and I am now absolved as of the last two games <laughs> well maybe maybe so yeah you texted me when you were at that game I think it was in the fourth quarter but you did say in your text this game is on me. And I wrote back, I said, oh, so you did go. And you said, yes. And I said, okay, well, then you are hereby banned from attending any more Rockets games the rest of the season. Well, uh, but yeah, you you didn't help, Robert. That's all I can say is you didn't help. I was just doing my Tracy McGrady right there. That's all. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, we see where that went. You know, the Nets fired coach Kenny Atkinson. Not sure if people realize this, but Mike D'Antoni got him a start in the NBA when he hired him as an assistant in Phoenix back in 2008. Wouldn't be a bad idea if the Rockets maybe brought him in for a little help. He's done a nice job there. You know, the way things are going, Kenny Atkinson he could be in the running for the Rockets' next head coaching position. I mean, you could certainly think that uh, if things don't turn around soon, you know, Dan Tony still doesn't have a new contract. It, it's a wait-and-see approach. So, uh, yeah, maybe Kenny Atkinson uh, he might actually be in line to be the Rockets' next head coach. So maybe Dan Tony doesn't want him on there now. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know we we you and I talked earlier maybe a couple of months ago that it, it's time for D'Antoni to go and you know you, you, we talk about defense and the consistency on defense that D'Antoni just doesn't bring and you know it so much of that I mean I, I keep I wanted to do this but I it's James Harden I mean that's the consistency that he he's got to come out and bring it and if he's not bringing it offensively now you know he's not going to bring it defensively so I mean I. <laughs> Is is D'Antoni getting? I mean, how many coaches does James Harden need to get fired before you realize, hey, there's one finger pointing at you, but there's four fingers or pointing at them, and there's four fingers uh, pointing back at James Harden when he's pointing at, at the head coach. Well, I haven't backed off my stance about D'Antoni uh, and his system, but I will say this: is that the players have to buy into playing good defense, I, regardless of who the coach is. If if you if you just made up your mind that you're not going to be aggressive on defense. It really doesn't matter who you put in there as the head coach, and unless they're just a, a real psychologist like an A.J. Hinch or something, 
that can convince the players to buy in to an entire system that relies on defense. You know, the Rockets just, they've clearly, they, they did for a while. I mean, they were playing great defense during that winning streak. Now, all of a sudden, because the shooting goes sour, it, it is as if it's a mental thing. Well, you know, the shooting's not working. Well, there's no point in playing great defense. We just need to worry about getting the shooting back. No, you need to worry about getting all aspects of your game up to speed, especially if you're going to go deep in the postseason. They're now behind the thunder. Remember that team that looked like uh, it was time for them to tank and they got all the draft picks and they, they got Chris Paul and they're like, oh, let's get rid of Chris Paul as soon as uh, you know we can. And, 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 and now the Rockets, the Rockets are behind the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, that's what I have worried about this whole time. As, as, as competitive as the Western Conference is, if the Rockets hit the skids this late in the season, they're not going to get a home court advantage anywhere, first or second round. I mean, you can probably kiss the second round home court goodbye, but I mean, they're, they're at risk of not even getting a first round uh, home field or home court advantage in the playoffs. If they keep playing the way they're playing, they're, they're at risk of not making the playoffs. Well, that's certainly a possibility, too. I don't, I don't even want to say it, but. Yeah, you know, if you're if they're going to have a free fall with less than 20 games in the season, that is not a far-fetched notion at all of the way the conference is being laid out. Yeah, you're getting smashed by the Knicks, the Hornets, and the Magic. I mean, the worst teams in basketball. Then I, I mean, I don't know. Let's let's talk about some of the other sports because there's some there's actually some positive stuff about other Houston sports going on. Also, some concerns that we're going to get to in just a second. But before we go on, I want to talk about any lab test now. And if you're wondering. How can they help you? Well, here's how. Any lab test now provides direct access lab testing that makes it easier for individuals to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Now, what does direct access mean? Very simply, it means this. You can walk into any of their 15 Houston area locations, select which lab test you want completed, and you're in and out in as little as 15 minutes. Really quick. They can either provide the doctor's order or accept your physician's order. So if you're insured or have high deductible insurance or are trying to manage your healthcare budget, take advantage of the many lab testing options any lab test now has to offer. HSA and FSA cards are accepted. Most results ready in one to three business days and can be sent directly to your email, giving you the information you need to take control of your health. Check out their new website at anylabtestnow.com. That's anylabtestnow.com. And I can tell you how quick and convenient it is from personal experience. I've had tons of experience getting lab work done. Uh, and not one place was easier. Not one. Before we move on from the NBA and the Rockets, let's, let's take a quick listen to a, maybe just a reminder of when big men used to be a thing in the NBA. Next Sunday on the NBA on NBC. Houston and New York collide again in the rematch of last year's thrilling seven-game NBA Finals. Now, Patrick and Akeem battle under the boards as two of the league's premier centers face off again. The rematch of the NBA Finals returns to the Big Apple next Sunday at 12.30 Eastern on NBC. Always good to hear a podcast palate cleanse with Akeem the Dream, and man, I miss him. Well, before we get to Astros spring training, Stephen, remember when we thought the most controversial officiating call in Houston this winter was going to be James Harden's missed dunk against the Spurs. Well, yeah. the officials at the Roughnecks game <laughs> even things out for the city of Houston. And you know what? I give you a second to talk about this, Stephen. But hold on. I'm being told we're out of time. We're out of time here. Yeah, you just took off to the locker room. Uh, yeah, and just left me standing out on the field, Robert. The game. You know, that that is the craziest thing. And, and usually something like this would be going against a Houston sports team 
the, the most shocking thing for me, other than the fact that it happened at all, is that for once, a Houston team actually benefited from what I consider a, a, just a bonehead mistake like this. I mean, this is one of the few things I would say that has kind of showed the XFL's infancy. Yeah, the NFL's had some crazy things happen, but believe me, this is something that just should not have happened. And if you're, I mean, if you're really into the XFL and if you're a Seattle fan that's really into the Seattle team, or if you're the Seattle team itself, you have to be really pissed about what just happened. But the official got reassigned. And one thing we don't see in the NFL with officiating is we don't see, hey, you do something wrong, you get, you get punished. It's just, that's nice to see. Well, it is nice to see. And I will say that I was listening to the telecast here right after the game, and they interviewed the, the supervisor of officials. But even he had a lame explanation. Well, the, the game is over and there's really nothing we can do. Well, OK, maybe so. But as uh, I think uh, Steve Levy and Greg McElroy were doing the broadcast, Greg McElroy made a great point. He said, it's not like the official just suddenly left town or is already at uh, Bush Intercontinental or Hobby Airport. He's in the locker room. You can't bring them back out and get them reassembled on the field for the next, you know, one more play for two or three seconds. I mean, it, it was just it's one of the craziest things I've seen at the ending of a football game in a long time. Well, how about the good news? The, the Roughnecks three games ahead of the Dallas Renegades in the XFL West and have two more wins than any other team in the XFL after a five and O start. Do you think the 72 Dolphins, yeah. you think they're going to pop some champagne if the Roughnecks lose a game in a few weeks? Cause, hey, they're, they're not going to yeah. go undefeated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know that the, the Dolphins players just on the edge of their seats waiting for that to happen. But uh, yeah, 10 and 0. No, probably not. But hey, you know, like I said, it did benefit the Roughnecks. They won and they're undefeated. You know, and the, and the good thing, Robert, is about this team is that even when the offense is struggling, which it clearly did in the first half, and P.J. Walker didn't exactly look like the league MVP, but they got it together when they needed to, and the defense made plays that it needed to make. They, they showed some grit and determination. They came back. Of course, in the XFL, you can score more points on a touchdown than you can in the NFL. I mean, if, if, if you score a touchdown and get six points and you go for three points, which is the maximum you go for the extra point, you could score nine points on one touchdown. So it is a little easier to catch up in the XFL than it is in the NFL. But having said that, they still had to come back and uh, they came and actually won the game by nine points. So, yeah, it's really cool to see that there is a pro football team in Houston that knows how to lock it down when they need to. They find a way to win. But I will say this, because we talked about the officiating and what happened in P.J. Walker, and we haven't seen a whole lot of Bill O'Brien uh, Deshaun Watson, clock management, weird stuff at the end of uh, halves and at the end of games. But that 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 could have been a disaster what happened to them, leaving that one second on the clock at the 22-yard line. And here's, you know, where it could have been fixed easily enough by June Jones. And and this is, this is like a Bill O'Brien type situation because he could have just called the timeout, even if he wasn't sure or he couldn't get it to P.J. Walker in that moment what to do. But it's very simple. They had a timeout to use. Call the timeout when the when it gets down to one second on the on the um, on the clock, not on the game clock, but on the uh, what's it called the the, the other clock, yeah, uh, the, the, the play clock. Yeah, the play clock. So call the timeout and just tell PJ Walker this is what you're going to do. You're going to roll out and you're going to fire the ball as far down the field as you can. 
or we're going to punt here. We're going to do. I mean, they just didn't look like they pre- they were prepared for that. So that was that was a little bit, but they got away with it. So Bill O'Brien's name didn't get invoked as much as it would have been. Well, what I would have said is that have P.J. Walker roll out, you know, and maybe just before he gets hit, you don't want him to get hit and suddenly get injured, but, you know, slide, avoid the rush, slide, and by the time they touch him down, then the clock would have probably run out. I, I just the, – the fact that he took a knee, you know, to me, I was like, that's that's what made the thing happen so fast, and there was still time left on the clock because, of course, the, the XFL clock rules are different. The clock stops on each play inside two minutes. So it's not going to continue to run. So they they definitely should have come up with a play that ran a little bit longer. But as you said, they escaped. They still won. You know, the Lady Luck is, is definitely smiling for once on a Houston pro football team as they are the Roughnecks. Did you catch former Texans QB Josh Johnson mic'd up for the Wildcats game, LA Wildcats? I did not. No, I did not. This is what I love about the XFL because he gets on the phone to his coach in the booth. And he says, quit arguing with officials and start calling plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, it it took me a while to kind of get used to the miking up of the players and coaches. But I think I've started to warm up to it because you can hear some interesting things going on. And I, I'm amazed. And I know that they're selective about what they play, you know, as far as that goes. So I'm sure they've had to edit out, you know, plenty of bleeps and F words and things because you certainly don't hear that on the broadcast. But yeah, it is kind of entertaining just to hear the players, the the coaches, even the officials being mic'd up. That that's you know, that's that's kind of an interesting wrinkle that yet we haven't heard before either. And by the way, that that's also a very good lesson for the Houston Rockets is quit arguing with the officials and get back on defense, James Harden and Russell Westbrook for once. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, how about that? You you entered a uh, Rockets reference and a Roughnecks reference in, in the same sentence. That's pretty that's pretty cool. Let's flip it over to another team, the Astros, and oh, it's it, it's it's a little scary here because uh, I want to go through the three big Astros training camp stories. And number one, boy, this could just kill the season. Justin Verlander might be starting to break down, Stephen. Well, believe it or not, I, I never thought we'd see the day that we realized that Justin Verlander is human. Is that possible? Is he really human? You know that that is certainly a concern and. With the Astros already having so many question marks, I mean, you, you have is Zach Grinky going to be Zach Grinky? Is you know how many innings is Lance McCullers going to give you? He's looked good so far, but it's a long season, and he's just coming back from Tommy John surgery. Is Jose Urquidy, you know, really going to nail down a fourth starting position and and be solid? And then of course you have the question mark of the uh, starting uh, the fifth starter position with uh, several players battling for that. So you already have a number of question marks going in. So to have Verlander go down for any length of time would just be devastating. But you know what? We've also seen where uh, – look, I mean, look at how the Yankees were just riddled with injuries last year, and they made it to the ALCS. So I, I don't want to you know, spell gloom and doom on the Astros just yet, even if Verlander does go out for any length of time. But let's not kid ourselves. The Astros are counting on Justin Verlander to give them a ton of innings again this year. And they just might have to improvise if, if he can't do that. Yeah, not a lot of starting depth uh, with the pitching staff. And, you know, Verlander, it, it's the right tricep soreness, which that cost JV two months back in the 2015 season. He's had the groin issues already in training camps. So there's a couple different things with him. S- story number two 
Angels new manager Joe Madden said he plans to hold a meeting with his pitchers to tell them not to intentionally hit Astros batters. And my initial response is, number one, Madden always been classy as far as I know of him as, as a manager. Number two, though, it's just a smart thing to do publicly, Stephen, because if one of the guys does nail an Astro hitter, if one of his dudes does do it, this places a thought in the back of the umpires and the league office's minds when that happens. Well, that's right. That's one of the first things I thought of is, you know, look, th- this is a black mark on base, but guess, look, you're, you're going to go out and intentionally hit a batter instead of trying to win the game. I mean, that's really what you should be focusing on. There, there are reasons that ball players or that pitchers have hit batters. I, I mean, it's been going on since baseball was, was first invented, but, but to outright come out and say that you want, or that maybe the best thing that should happen in retaliating is to hit batters instead of concentrating on winning the game. I just can't believe that any manager worth their salt would allow a pitcher to do that. And yeah, so every time an Astros batter gets hit, what is that going to do for that pitcher? I mean, what, and what is it going to do for the umpire? You know, but here's the other side of it too, Robert, is the fact that some have publicly come out and said this and it's become a story. Don't you know, it, it, it's got to be in the Astros players' heads Every time they get up to the plate, are they going to be hit? Now, I'm not saying it's going to be first and foremost in their mind the entire season, but it could be a psychological benefit for the other team. Just even in a small way, just having it planted in their brain that, yeah, we might hit you. Then again, we might not. The big story for me is Joe Madden getting ahead of the game saying, you know, basically, uh, we're not going to do this publicly. And so he, it's kind of, he's covering himself in case something, like I said, he's cut. If something happens, umpires in the league office will remember that. Uh, and they might not say fine his player or suspend his player. Cause what, what he, I'm just saying that's, that's a smart move to do. My big number three story with the, on the Astros training camp this week, Chris Davinsky, not only is he pitching well, but he's mixing in a brand new pitch, the curveball. Is this something? I think it is. And, and, of course, the Astros have always wanted their pitchers to concentrate more on the breaking pitches. But, yeah, I like the way Davinsky has looked. He's, he's slimmed down a bit. He, he looks fresh. Uh, so, the, yeah, the fact that he's added another pitch to his arsenal, if he can make it effective, then he could – I certainly think he could get back the domination that he had a couple of years ago. Uh, last thing I got on the Astros, and not really an Astros, this is not part of my three big Astros training camp stories for this week, but um, or spring training stories from this week, but Colin McHugh off the board as a starting pitcher option for the Astros, signed with the Red Sox, then said regarding the Astros cheating scandal, quote, you got to be willing to stick up for what you believe is right and what you believe is wrong. I think a lot of the guys on that team, including myself, are looking back, wishing we had been as brave in the moment as we thought we were beforehand to put myself in the shoes of the guys who pitched against us. And to know our hitters made that job that much harder that year. It's hard to swallow. I feel for them. I understand the anger. I understand when people are mad and pissed off. I get it. I've been there. I know what it feels like to be out there and feel like a team has your signs. It's a lonely place, unquote. And Stephen, I, you know, I've always loved McHugh. I'm going to miss him. Very thoughtful guy. I thought that was the correct way to respond to to what had happened. And, you know, I, I know Colin McHugh and I know he believes that it's not, he's not just saying it. I think he believes it. No, I, I definitely agree. And Colin is, is one of the most genuine guys. You know, if you hear him talk, he has a podcast of his own, but if you hear him talk, it's just a very intelligent, 
well-spoken guy, and I do believe he is genuine when he says that. Isn't it ironic, though, that he's signing with a team that itself is under investigation for a lot of the same thing? So I wonder what uh, that's going to feel like. Well, you know, let's say if MLB comes down on the Red Sox, and there's Colin McHugh signing with that team. But, yeah, I don't think the Astros were were intending to bring him back, or they certainly would have. But as far as just his genuine nature and his intelligence, and he was an effective pitcher off and on throughout the Astros, uh, throughout his tenure with the Astros, Colin McHugh will be missed. Speaking of, you know, the, the, the cheating stuff, uh, Michael Brantley booed uh, in spring training because of he signed with the team that, uh, was cheating like a, a year after it happened. Like he wasn't on the 17 and 18 team guys. Fans are stupid. They're just dumb. Well, you know what? They're, they're booing the Astros brand. I mean, they, they've even, you see some of the minor league guys get up there. I think of the very first couple of games or so of spring training when a lot of the regulars weren't playing and, and even those guys are getting booed. So, you know, fans are fans. Fans have always been fickle and uh, they're partial to whomever or whatever they want to be partial to. And, you know, obviously the, the boos are louder for people like George Springer and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. But it's really it's the Astros brand that a lot of the fans are taking vent on. So no matter who's in there, whether they were there or not during what happened, fans just don't think about stuff like that. Now, like, well, true fans do fans that are intelligent and really pay attention to the game and are going to be objective about it. But many of those fans, obviously, that that's not the case with them. All right, let's go to uh, let's get, move back to the positive stuff. Big win for the Coug basketball team me- against Memphis on Sunday to close the regular season. First back-to-back conference titles for the Cougs since five Slamma Jamma. Yeah, that far back. You got to go back. Oh, I don't know, thirty-six, seven, eight years now. Back, back to the early '80s. Yep. They finished the season fourteen and two at home. They've won uh, their last ten straight at home. 8-0 following a loss this season. Perfect following a loss. They, they bounced back. Their 13 conference wins came by an average margin of 13.5 points. Again, I'm going to repeat this stat here. 13 conference wins by an average margin of 13.5 points. Their five losses came by a combined total of 12 points. We talked about that last week, Stephen. Yeah, we did. And, you know, again, I, I think the difference sometimes is really the coaching. You know, sometimes we give the coach too much credit or too much blame, but I think there are cases, and the Cougars are a great example, that that Kelvin Sampson is going to make sure that team is fundamentally sound when it needs to be. And, you know, depending on how far they go in the tournament, the fact is, is that unlike the Rockets, I mean, I hate to throw a Rockets reference in with the Cougars, but really, I, I just believe the difference is in the coaching. And Kelvin Sampson is is one that it's not only that the way the team plays, but just the entire culture. And that kind of trickles down to the way they play, the, the way they can bounce back after a loss. As you just said, they're unbeaten after a loss. They do know how to bounce back. Whereas the Rockets, you know, you look up and uh, they, they win four or five in a row. And then all of a sudden they lose one or two in a row and they just can't find their footing. Well, the Cougars don't seem to have that problem. So Tournament play is coming up, so it's getting exciting. At least, you know, there's there's one team that, at least right now, we've got some positive vibes about going into the uh, conference tournaments and uh, hopefully the NCAA tournament. And I'll keep harping on this because the one thing about the Cougars is they have two things you can rely on. We, we've mentioned it, defense, rebounding. Those are the two things. So it 
literally comes down to this. Can Caleb Mills and Grimes and Sasser, can those three guys, Sasser, Grimes, and Mills, can they get you some points? They can't be all ice cold because they're it. I mean, that's the offense right there. Yeah, that's true. And if there's one thing that has uh, bugged the Cougars the whole season is these long shooting droughts where they just can't get any points. And tell you what, I don't care who you're playing in the NCAA tournament, that's not going to cut it. So that is the big question mark going in. Let me ask you this. Does the name Conway Heyman ring a bell to you? Oh, yeah. Conway Heyman. Wow. That's a name that goes back a ways. He would open up holes for Earl Campbell during Love You Blue. He was guard for the Oilers from 75 to 80. If people don't go back that far, remember, but, you know, big guy in in that Love You Blue run, especially in 78, 79, only played maybe five games, three three to five games or something on on that 80 team. But uh, he was super important for Earl Campbell, and the reports are that he he passed away on Sunday. So uh, rest in peace, Conway Heyman. And and also got to also remind people that you know he he also was a coach for Prairie View and TSU uh, in the next few years after he finished playing. So he he spent some time both of those places was a head coach uh, as well as an assistant. So uh, Conway Heyman uh, passed away uh, on Sunday, according to a, just a just reports just as we were about to get on with this podcast. So really sad. Yeah, it is really sad. I do remember the name. And, you know, as as, as much as we talk about the, the heroes that most people are familiar with, you know, the Dan Pastorinis, the Earl Campbells, Kenny Burrow, and, you know, Elvin Bethay and Robert Brazil and all the defense, there there were a lot of unsung heroes on that team. You know, you think of like with the offensive line, Carl Mock is another guy. Just uh, not only by the way he played, but just with his physical talent, but just the way he would motivate the team, and Conway Heyman, as you mentioned, yeah, one of the one of the guards that helped Earl Campbell, you know, all those holes that he barreled through and ran people over. So uh, yeah, very sad to hear about Conway Heyman. Anything else you got? Uh, I think that's all I have from Houston sports in the last week. Well, you know, we're just we're trying to look for positives, and uh, of course, the, the Astros dedicating a building to Bob Watson. That was that was really cool to see Bob Watson. Of course, a a great player. And uh, front office executive for uh, the Astros and several other teams. And, of course, with, with Bob Watson, you know, he, he scored the one millionth run in Major League history. I want to say it was in 1977. It was in the late 70s. Uh, so he has that fame. And he was in the Bad News Bears movie. He's the, one, he's the guy that you hear say, oh, let the kids play, you know, when that was filmed in the Astrodome. So it's great to see the, the, the Astros honoring one of their own, Bob Watson. I haven't sat through the, was that Bad News Bears breaking training? Was that the one? Yeah, I, I always forget. I always forget which one it is. I, I want to say it's the second one, but yeah, it was the one that they, uh, of course, did in the Astrodome. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I, I wasn't as much of a fan of that one. So I've, I've, I, I saw it on TV recently that it was on and I, you watch a little bit of it, but it, the original is just like, that's on a whole other level. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, it's hard to it's hard to do a really good sequel to any movie, but it just you have that pride because, hey, it was in Houston and you had an Astros player that, that actually set a part in the movie. So that's pretty cool. Don't forget uh, for everybody that's a regular listener, even if you uh, just joined us first timer on the podcast we do Throwback Thursdays uh, right now. We're doing those uh, every Thursday, and we're giving you some of the best of our conversations in the past. And 
They're great to go back and listen to whenever, wherever. And this week, it's going to be a little bit of a cougar's tent. We mentioned Five Slam Jamma. It's going to have a little bit of that to it. So uh, check that out on Thursday and every Thursday. Uh, before we close the show, quick reminder that we're brought to you by any lab test now. They're the quick and easy way to get direct access lab testing when you're trying to manage your healthcare budget. You got 15 Houston area locations to choose from. They're all over the country. National organization. Check out their website, anylabtestnow.com. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.